In this podcast, we're joined by Leicester City Under-18 Assistant Coach, Steve Kirby. Steve has over 15 years' experience in youth development and has previously also worked at MK Dons. We picked the conversation up with Steve sharing some insights into his experience with coaching courses and dive into a number of topics, including Steve's own personal development as a coach, how to balance the influence of curriculums, and some insights into the Leicester City philosophy. We hope you enjoy the podcast, and don't forget, head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com and check out the Masterclass discussion section for more interviews with world-class practitioners and experts. And have you got any sort of particular experiences you can reflect on, given the qualifications you've done to date, that have changed the way you thought about it and, and I guess, your approach or some key lessons that you've learned out of those? Um, the experiences of, of St. George's, going on courses at St. George's Park, um, they've, been, they've been really beneficial to, um, to my development, not just because of the course material and, um, and not just because of... Um, the people on the course, but when you go to a, the residential elements of them, and they might be three days, they might be five days. Mm. Um, when you go, when you go on that, providing obviously you've got things okay outside of that little bubble, but being in that bubble is is a fantastic opportunity to reassess what you're doing as a whole, not on not just on the course, but I've tried to use every opportunity at St George's Park to sit and reflect use the time in your hotel room because in our day-to-day life to get an hour where you can just sit and think Mm. whilst you've got family constraints and you've got work constraints being able to just sit for an hour is kind of an anomaly (laughs) but you can do that on those courses and um i found that that's been quite beneficial for example on the youth award you go there four times a year yeah so four times a year i've had a couple of days and a couple of evenings where i can I can just sit and I can reflect and I can think about what I'm doing and how I'm doing things. Um, so just to be able to be in that envi- environment and to be put in the bubble is is helpful, really helpful. And it's, it's one of, been one of the big things of, of the courses that I've been on. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of those things where on courses you get out what you put in and obviously meeting people and, and talking football and that kind of, you know, being being really immersed in it for a period of time certainly helps. That sort of segues nicely into the next question around your view of coaching. So obviously within any club, we all work within a curriculum or a philosophy or a certain set of beliefs around what player development and coach development looks like in those organizations. How is your view, if you look back at the 18, 19 year old coach that started out, how is your view of coaching? coaching change to the point where you are now working in a Premier League academy? Wow. <laughs> um, I'd like to say the evolution's been um, been brilliant and, and the things that have changed the most are um, are the amount of skills that are, that are in my toolbox as a coach. Um, from from a, from a like a 19-year-old coach, my, my toolbox is now much greater. My um, Ability to choose choose what tool I need for the job, um, I, th- I think I think is is a lot greater, and that's just through experience, it's through getting it right, it's through getting it wrong, it's uh, through other people a- a- assessing you. Um, so that's probably been that's probably been the biggest change, the biggest uh, the biggest reminder that I've probably given myself at times is that 
it's that they are human beings. We're dealing with we're dealing with human beings mm-hmm. um, first and foremost. Then they're players. They're not robots. Um, they'll get it wrong. We'll get it wrong. Um, the development of my patience as a human being has has probably um, has probably improved greatly. Um, without really knowing it until you sit back and reflect, it's one of those things that would would improve but you wouldn't realize until until you reflect on it sure. um so those would be the biggest things i think yeah certainly that um ability to understand people and um and look beyond just the technical tactical i think is something that certainly comes with experience i mean do you do you look at any sort of particular traits in the way perhaps you deliver the way you communicate that have improved drastically in time um mainly around the interventions okay. and, and what type of interventions um, that I use and, and, and why I use it. So, for example, I can put, when I coach now, I will deliver with much more confidence that an intervention that I'm going to put in, whether it be um, a technical one, a psychological one, etc., etc. Um, although we're not all one-size-fits-all, you can gain some success from knowing that and interventions worked mm. in certain scenarios at certain times. So a lot more now I can deliver with more confidence that an intervention that I've tried before and has succeeded mm. has a good chance of working with this, with this current player in, in this current situation. Um, and being able to do that, that quickly and in the moment, because that might need to be during the game in training is fine. We can stop training and we can manipulate it. But, um, in-game, in-game working, it obviously has to go in the, in, in the flow of the game and you have to decide whether it's in the flow of the game is the, is the right time to, um, to use it. Mm. So I think that's been the biggest evolution as, uh, from, from me as a coach, that ability of what intervention to, to use, how to use it, when to use it. Um, is, is probably the biggest area that's developed. Excellent. I, th- I think the toolbox analogy you used previously really segues nicely into that as well in the sense that, you know, with experience, you do get it wrong or you jump in and find yourself talking for too long or, you know, you think, yeah. oh, I've just stopped it there and killed the player, you know, in terms of the flow. So we've all done it. We've all been there. And I think yeah. um, that self-awareness that you're displaying there, being able to recognise those moments is is really key. Just going back a little bit in time. It's, it's- if if you look at it, it's, it's quite it's quite similar to to young players. So mm. the nineteen year old coach is the nine year old player. Yeah. Um, as as a nineteen year old coach, I'm there. I'm trying things. I'm experiencing it. I'm having a go. I'm messing it up a load of times. Um, because of the environment I'm in, it's quite light hearted. No, nobody's nobody's too worried. Everybody's safe. Everybody's happy. Everybody's healthy. Mm. So the nineteen year old coach is the is the nine year old player. Yeah. So now, 14, 13, 14 years down the line, yeah, a 13, 14 year playing career, yeah, coaching career down the line. Obviously, the the tools that you utilise, and it's just, it's the same with those young players. I've got better at using my tools out of my toolbox and knowing when, and the players will do the same. They know when to turn and and, and dribble. They know when to turn and pass, etc. So it's it's very very similar. We just start at different ages. Yeah, fantastic analogy. In terms of um, winding back at the, the clock a little bit and looking at your time at MK Dons, um, obviously 
MK Don's most famous academy graduate is Deli Ali. Came through the club. Um, Dan Machici's yeah. been credited a lot for the work that he did there. Um, can you give us some insight into the program? And obviously, you know, I believe it was a Cat 3 academy at the time. And a lot of Cat yeah. 3 clubs have to innovate. They have to work on the smell of an oily rag a little bit and find ways mm. to be different and find ways to be clever. So what, what were some of the unique challenges there? And what were some of the really positive parts of the program at MK Don's? Yeah, um, it was... It was quite a quite a transitional period when the when the E Triple P came in, um, and that was one of the one of the major challenges. So um, the likes of Delhi and, and Brendan and Shea Ojo, who played who played in those groups, um, they were quite fortunate pre E Triple P because they were part of because MK MK Dons was an academy rather than a centre of excellence. So in terms of the games program, that was probably one of the one of the great benefits that they had as an academy, we didn't have a lot in terms of facilities and, and, and extras and loads of budget to spend and, and resources and everything. But the, the games program that those boys played in was fantastic and, and so varied. They would play um, a range of academies. And now if you look at it in terms of categories, would range across category one, two and three. So mm. over the course of the season, they would play Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea. Um, they they would they would come away. They would play Birmingham, Coventry, Nottingham Forest, mm. and they would also play Northampton, Luton, um, yeah. Dagenham. So across the course of a season, the variety in their games program was was fantastic. Yeah, and um, that was a challenge when E Triple P came in um, to recreate that because we were sectioned in categories, and obviously you had your your, your category games program, so it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of work. It was doable, but yeah. obviously, it was a lot of work to um, to get those extra games in and to get that varied games program because that's that's so important in their in their development. So that was a huge challenge. Yeah. Um, the actual, depending on how you look at it, what lens you look at it, in some ways, um, not being a highly resourced. Um, academy and, and environment was was one of the was for me one of the great things it was a genius thing about the academy mm. um by default rather than design and such because your focus uh, as a player your focus as a staff member couldn't be on anything else apart from the work that you do on the grass what you do with the players with the balls ribs and cones is is the most important thing and and in, and in, in my eyes today still is Mm. Everything else has a, has a good um, support place, but we could only focus on on what we were doing on the grass and and how we were working with the players. And similarly for the players, the players only had to focus on on what they were doing on the grass. Um, so that that was a uh, depending on how you look at it, you could look at it in, in some ways and think, oh, well, they haven't got a lot, they haven't got this, they haven't got that. But that was that was probably one of the strengths. It kept people grounded. It kept staff grounded. It kept players grounded. Um, if you add into that, then we had a visible pathway to those that are good enough. There was a definite and visible pathway to the first team. Mm. So young aspiring players at 16, 17, 18 could see that there's a way. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a given. There's going to be no sense of entitlement. But if you're good enough and you can forge your way, then there's the opportunities to do that progression. And um, 
obviously Carl Robinson was a was the manager for a lot for a long part of um, my time there. Yeah. And um, and he and he was he was good when it came to that respect. If if you were good enough, you would you would get a chance. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the idea of less is more in terms of facilities is something that a lot of clubs are realising. And, yeah. you know, I look back on my time at Brentford and think, you know, that, that was a club that was a fierce environment with diverse coaches, um, you know, running on a, on a strip model relative to what a lot of clubs did, yeah. um, producing players. And, and MK Dons has a similar track record of bringing players through, and the, and the names you mentioned are all, all players that have gone on. So certainly very interesting to see what you can get when you don't necessarily have everything at your disposal and, and I guess how innovation yeah. comes out of that. Yeah, sometimes the other stuff distracts you from, from the core of what yeah. you're working on. Um, and sometimes without knowing and not by... Um, not deliberately. Sometimes it just it just it just happens like that. Um, and what did help is a small a small number of staff um, in charge of the delivery of the work to these players was was strengthen was strengthen it really um, mm. because we would quite easily be able to converse and discuss things being a, being a small group and a small uh, members of staff. Now, if you add in lots of extra support staff, if you don't get the right mix of people, like in any um, team or good organization environment, the, the more people you add into the mix, the more challenges there are with that. So yeah. being a real small, tight-knit group of, group of staff involved in the delivery to, to the young players at that point was, was actually a, re a real strength. And it's a real challenge when you start adding into that and, and, and growing more and more. Mm. And have you taken some of those lessons from your time at MK Dons and are you able to apply those in what is now a Cat 1 Premier League sort of club environment? Is it? I mean, obviously the facilities are better and, and you do have certain benefits of being a Cat 1 club, but in terms of taking the lessons on the grass or dealing with people, have you managed to you know go and, and apply some of those in your current role? Yeah, I mean, what I've, the things I've taken from from working at, at MK Dons is, is, like I said before, the most important thing is what you do on the grass and, and everything else is, um, is a support. And it doesn't even need to be good grass as well, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Just as long as there's some with white lines and, and, a, and a football, you can, you can do what you want to do. Um, I think all the, all the extras of a, of a place are probably more beneficial to us as coaches um and more important to us as coaches and mm. and and aids exactly. our delivery rather than something that you need to have to become a good a good player yeah um for the players i think the pitches are nice and yeah they make you feel good and everything but it's not an, it's not a necessity for you to become a pro player you don't have to have that to become a professional footballer um it's bet the facilities are bet are more for us as coaches, I think, than they than they are for players. Mm. Um, the other thing, the other lesson I've taken is is pathway management. Okay. Um, of players is 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 really really important. Um, so because of because of the environment at MK Dons, you were able to go from 16s to 18s, but you could be in the first team within your next step. Yeah. A Cat One club, it's it's um, naturally more difficult because there's the extra extra um, element of under twenty three football, mm. which for some will be will be exactly what they need. Um, 
But for others, others may have been ready at 18s and at, at maybe a smaller club would have been straight in on the fringes of the first team, mm. where now under 23s might be another step that they have to come over before they can get to that, that fringe level of first team. Um, so the pathway management of those players who you think are capable of progressing and ensuring that we're not stockpiling bodies yeah. and, and those players are getting, getting an opportunity to, um, to progress. Again, not with a sense of entitlement, but an opportunity to yeah. progress as, as they earn it is, is, is really, really important. Mm. Um, and that was one of, the, one of the big things with regards to someone like, to someone like Delhi's journey. I think before Delhi moved to, to Tottenham, he would have had 60-plus games in, in the first team at, yeah. at League One. Yeah. Which, which would have moulded him greatly as a, as a player and, and, and a huge part of, of the player he's become, of course. Yeah. It's a massive issue in the UK and obviously getting, getting those games, whether it's League 2, League 1 or even in the Championship prior to going to Premier yeah. League, has got to be an advantage. And if we, if we sort of go back now, obviously currently at Leicester City, is there a player development philosophy in place that you guys are working towards? Yeah, it's, um, it's quite... It's quite an easy one, actually. Um, the environment itself is full of um, brilliant, hardworking people mm -hmm. um, from, I wouldn't say humble beginnings, but very down to earth, not above their station. Um, so that creates a creates a great environment that um, that you can that you can kind of reinforce as and when needed that. Look to get this big. We have to work this hard. You, if you want to get to where you want to get to, it's 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 all about it's all about hard work. Um, so that gives a good a good basis and a good foundation. Um, and then on top of that, it's 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 quite basic and maybe quite similar to to lots of places. But depending on how you on how you dress it up and how, and how much work you do to dress it up, um, it it will come across differently at other places. But essentially. It's all about, from the obviously from the PDP upwards, about looking at people as individuals. Um, what are they good at? What are, what are their best things? What things um, can they do as opposed to what can't they do? Mm. Um, and, and shining a light on, on those things rather than, oh, he's missing this, missing this, he's missing this, he can't do this, he can't do this, he can't do this. Focusing more on the things that are, are going to get them in the limelight with first team staff, what are the things that are going to get them into the first team, the things that are going to get them professional contracts. Of course, while we're doing that, there are going to be um, other things that we know we need to bolt onto that player and, and, and that player needs to add to themselves. But essentially it's, it's based around taking people for their strengths, identifying what they are, trying to make them great at that and bolt on the bits that need to be bolted on. <laughs> that are a necessity. You don't go for the complete player. You're not going to have a complete player, mm. especially in the, with us in the PDP phase, because yeah. he's still got learning to do once he gets into the first team. That's, that's a, another huge element of, of that player's learning when, when, when he gets there and if he gets there. Yeah. So in the nuts and bolts of it are really around that. Yeah, sure. Be, be really hard working. It's going to be tough. You're going to have to do a hell of a lot to to get into any first team, let alone a, a Premier League first team, um, and embrace people's strengths and try and just 
support them and plug some gaps in other areas if there if there are major gaps. Mm. Yeah, um, I think that strengths-based focus is so important, isn't it? The, the more coaches I've, I've been lucky enough to obviously interview and others I've spoken to and worked with, the, the more I see coaches focusing on that, uh, that strength and those attributes and building those up and turning them into super strengths, the more I fundamentally believe in that as an approach. So it's got to be yeah. nice to be a part of something like that, which is really a positive approach. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, nicer to, it's a nicer way of looking at things yeah. at a coach as well. Yeah. Because you automatically focus on positive factors rather than rather than negative factors, um, and just human nature. If you continue to focus on negative things, <laughs> you're then you're then only gonna on a gonna portray negative things. So, yeah. as as a coach, that would be a, a huge piece of advice for me. Focus on focus on the positives more so. Shine the biggest light on that. Mm. Yes, have have in your back pocket that. There are some things that are certain things that people need to work on, of course. But mm. again, add them as a bolt on. But the core has got to be what can this person do mm. rather than what can't this person do. Absolutely. And in terms of you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, working with the players on the grass. So no doubt you guys plan uh, month to month, week to week, and you're looking ahead of time yeah. in terms of whether it be loading or whether it be individual objectives and what you're trying to look about, <laughs> look into for the week. But how do you go about planning your practices and what are some of the key considerations you give when planning a session? Yeah. Um, obviously, first of all, we'll, we will meet every morning with, with the under-18s um, as a staff, myself, the head coach, um, uh, the, the physio department, um, sports science, strength and conditioning. Um, we will all meet daily as a, as a group of staff, those staff along with... Um, psychology and analysis um we will meet we will meet weekly but in terms of on a morning coming to planning a session um step one will be going through player availability who have we got what in what capacity have we got um what can they can't do i maybe a player coming back from injury etc um so we'll factor that in um then after that as a coaching as a coaching group it's around what are the needs of, of the players in particular at that time um, and identifying are there some with similar needs? So a little bit of um, kill two birds with one stone type thing is can, can we do that at some point? Um, so some, one of the easiest examples are if we've got a lot that want to work, that need to work defending 1v1 and some have got to work attacking 1v1. Obviously, there's a there's a natural um, there's a natural comparison there, mm -hmm. um, and, and you can at the same practice you can affect a lot of players, um, and then after that, and that's the important bit. I think we need to look at that bit first, rather than what does the program say we have to work on, um, because coaching programs as a as, a, as, a, as an entity and as a thing, I haven't found anywhere. As soon as you write the coaching program, you write a coaching program in September. How do you know when you're writing it, how that looks in January? Mm. So therefore, I think you've got to use the coaching, the coaching program on the side rather than it has to be the driver of everything. For me, the players' needs have to be the driver and then you have to tag in the coaching program to, to the side of that. Mm.
Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.